not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false pro prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kara. Uh, test, the test every spirit. Um, and I know if you're like me, you wake up most mornings thinking, how do I test spirits? Uh, no, I don't, I don't know. I'm being slightly sarcastic. Uh, how do we... We have a difficult task is, is how do we get into sort of this, this strange idea of testing spirits, uh, this command to test and examine every spirit. Um, the, uh, maybe the way to begin is, is with a, a story. Uh, I recently in our home, we, some of you know we just merged homes with, um, with my in-laws and we had this massive addition put on and, and we finally got everything settled and then um, once we had everything settled, th there was this faint noise that we began to hear in the dining room. I actually didn't hear it. Frank um, and, and Anne began to hear it. This little, sort of a hot, like a white noise, very faint. Um, and then uh, some, there was some noticing of some droplets of water um, on the, the wood paneling in our dining room. Uh, and this was, this was when it was colder out. And then we began to notice on the exterior, on the stone, um, this sort of cascading water uh, that, that would freeze in the night and then would be sort of, just like, I, I, me being the idiot that I am, looked at it and thought, oh, that's kind of nice, like a nice little icicle like decoration on the outside of our house. Um, at Frank, as you might imagine, if you know Frank Keller, had a different viewpoint on that. Um, he, went, he needed to know where this water was coming from and why, thankfully. Um, and, and what was discovered uh, as we, we investigated is that there was a pinhole leak in a radiator pipe um, behind the wall that had just been steadily shooting water into the, uh, the space between the, the stone and, and our interior wall. Um, and, uh, and so what, what led, of course, and we, as we took more of the wall off, uh, mold was revealed, and we had to get the whole wall replaced, and it was just um, kind of a, a bit of a disaster. Um, but that's sort of the unsettling truth of home ownership, right? Um, and, and, I, and I hate, if you own a home, here's the, here's the truth. Someone in this house right now has an, a disaster that is slowly at work in your house, and you don't know it. <laughs> There's a pinhole leak in one of your homes. Um, I hate to tell you that, but the odds are excellent, right, that that's the truth. Um, the next catastrophe is, is, is close by. But, but I, I, um, I, I, raised the, I was thinking about the pinhole leak because this is also kind of the way that, that lies and truth work, right? The deception and lies sort of begin as a pinhole leak. Um, in our life, uh, and, as a, and over time, they become a disaster. Uh, it's a little bit of water, but over time, mold begins to grow, and eventually, you have foundational problems. Um, 
And, and actually, it can break communities apart, the pinhole leak. It can break a house apart. Lies can break, break a, a, a community apart. And so the question that we should bring to this passage and that John is addressing is how then do we discern truth? How do you be a little bit more like Frank Keller, a little bit more uh, curious and aware of, of, of things that don't seem quite right, things that are lies? What's our measure? Um, and then also then how do we avoid living out of a fear that there's, as I just gave you all, a fear that every little thing might be the next disaster, right? Those two, how do we both discern truth from falsehood and yet not also be captive to fear all the time uh, that, that the next disaster is around the corner? So th this passage today is very much concerned with this question. Uh, it's a question that faced the early church. Um, it's one of John's central uh, uh, goals in this whole, this whole work is to address uh, how to help these house churches see truth from lies, light from darkness, love from hate. You've been hearing these themes. Um, and so John provides them a test, a test for the truth. Uh, and so we're going to look at that test under three headings. First, why the test, um, which you've already hopefully gotten a little bit of an idea for. Why? Then what is that test? Uh, let, let's look exactly at what it is. And then where do we do the test? Where does it happen? So why, what, and where? Uh, first is Why? John tells the church to test or examine what they're hearing because, as he says, there's many false prophets and teachers in their midst. And it, this passage only mentions prophets, uh, but, but there's, there's teachers as well. Teachers are referred to, so we're going to be using those interchangeably. Don't go get tripped up on that. There are clearly people who are prophesying and teaching in false ways uh, in their midst. And, and partly one of the reasons, if you go back to the passage Mark preached on last week, is it ends with, uh, a reminder for the church to receive the Holy Spirit. So he says, you know, receive, you have the Spirit. And now John is sort of coming in the next step and saying, receive that Spirit, but don't receive every Spirit. You're, be open to the Spirit, but you should be careful. That doesn't mean, hey, whatever's spiritual, let's go, right? It's, 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 a, it's to be careful. Um, it's a warning. So, uh, so he's saying, don't be careful. And that, that kind of seems like common sense to us. Uh, we tell our kids, uh, as an English teacher, uh, one of my main jobs was, hey, you can't just put something you read on the internet in your paper, right? That, that you got to test it out a little bit, right? You can't believe everything you hear. That's sort of common sense. You can't cut and paste Wikipedia. Uh, don't do that. Um, but, but what's, what's and, and uh, before, before we get further into what John is saying, you should know just this is a broad theme in Scripture. Uh, in Deuteronomy, uh, God instructs the people in Deuteronomy 12. He says, if a sign or wonder spoken of takes place, the pro and the prophet says, Let's, let us follow other gods uh, and let us worship them, you must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. Uh, that's a good test, right? If I, were to, if I were to come up here and preach to a sermon about worshiping another god, you should not accept that sermon. Uh, and so God is broadly concerned, and he gives tests throughout Scripture to help his people Make sure that the gathering of, of the church is one where truth is proclaimed. Uh, and he does it in this passage, as I've already mentioned. So, so it's important that you get this, this particular point. This is a test John is giving, but this is why it's important to read Scripture in context. It's not the only test he gives. So I was talking to uh, Anne about this, and she said, so you're telling me if somebody just shows up and says, yeah, Jesus came from God, then we have to accept whatever else they say. No, no, no. There's other tests in here, right? You need to love. Uh, you need to obey God's commands. Um, what you confess is important. So it's one 
of several tests, right? Just, just keep that sort of in the background of your mind. Okay, so, so having said that, look, look back here. Verse 1, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. So, so stop right there. Anybody notice anything unusual about what the test is? John tells them to test the spirit. The spirits do not, he's not saying, sort of strangely, don't test the prophet, don't test the teacher. He says very clearly, test the spirits, uh, not the person, which should strike you as odd. Uh, if, if a student came to me as a teacher and said, hey, listen, I'm not going to take the written exam. If you just test my spirit, I, I, you know, my spirit says, like, I know the content, I'm good. You'd be like, yeah, you're kind of just, you don't, you're not prepared for the test, right? Uh, what, what is John saying, test the spirit? Um, well, it, it's a little bit difficult for us. You're, you're all here whether you like it or not. Um, well, I shouldn't speak broadly, but most of you are raised in sort of a modern Western culture. Uh, and what that means is the way you think about spiritual things and about truth has sort of a formation from our culture. And it, it goes something like this. See if this, try this on, see if this fits. Spiritual things are unknowable. Spiritual things are abstract. They're based on your sort of private belief um, that's sort of a personal decision. So spiritual things. Truth, on the other hand, is concrete. Truth is observable. Truth is a public fact. Uh, truth is testable, and it's concrete. That's, that's sort of the atmosphere we're living in. Spiritual things, abstract, based on your personal belief. Truth, concrete, observable, um, testable, rational, right? Rational. So, so we don't test spiritual things in our culture because uh, spiritual things aren't things that our culture believes you can observe. So this idea, think about it, to say examine a spirit is a misnomer in our culture. You can't test something that you can't observe, is what, our, uh, what sort of the secular Western mindset would say. Uh, spirits, we can feel spirits. Spirits kind of give us a vibe, right? That's kind of the, the, spiritual, the spiritual vibe that, that, that people talk about. But you can't test or examine them. Uh, so the scriptures have a bit of a different point of view on these things than, than Western culture. Uh, when John says test the spirit, he's not dodging the truth. He's actually raising the stakes. So if, just do a little bit of work with me here. We're going to kind of go in the, a little bit of the rafters of abstraction, and then we'll come back down, all right? So here's two things you have to know that the scripture, the mind of scripture is in conflict with the mind of secular Western culture that we have to get our heads around in order to understand what does it mean to test the spirit. Uh, so the first thing, number one, the scriptures tell us that truth is spiritual. As opposed to truth over here, or I had spiritual over here. Spiritual things and truth are separate, right? Now, the, the scriptures tell us that truth is spiritual. Uh, what do we mean by that? Uh, here's one way, another way of saying it. The truth that you claim actually makes a claim on you. I'll, I'll say it again. To say that the truth is, truth is spiritual means that when you claim truth, that truth makes a claim on you and takes ownership over you. Uh, and, and so therefore, 
because truth is spiritual, uh, our claims have a power to either draw us further into bondage or further into freedom. Right? This is why Paul says that, that our struggle is actually not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Uh, okay, so what's an example of this? I'm going to give you a bombastic, sensational example of this. All right? Uh, uh, have you been following what's going on with, with the InfoWars uh, guy, Alex Jones? So if you're not familiar with it, there's a, a gentleman named Alex Jones who started a media corporation called InfoWars. And he currently, he just got um, convicted in court for, for basically what he's done since the Sandy Hook massacre, right, 2012 um, in Newtown, Connecticut, uh, a, a horrible massacre of, of 20 school children. Since that moment, Alex Jones has claimed that that didn't happen, that, it's, that it was a staged event by state actors to advance the gun control lobby. That's their agenda. He's advanced this lie for 10 years. And, and it's, it's built him a multi, multi-millionaire, um, multi-millionaire uh, media company out of it. Uh, but, but part of what's happened as a result of that is he's not just some guy on an obscure channel. He's making millions of dollars a day. And what's happened is he's rallied a community of people who have now harassed the parents of the children who were killed at the Sandy Hook massacre and has chased them down and accused them of being state actors for the deep state to, to advance legislation. Now, that, that, that's, like I said, it's a pretty bombastic, um, sensational example of the way that truth, the truth that Alex Jones proclaimed made a truth back on him and on the people that followed him. They... It, it drove, it put a path in front of their feet. People chose to live their life out of that truth claim. So much so that they, they took time to go trace down these parents and harass them about the death of their child. Truth, the, what we claim, claims us. It puts a path in front of our feet to walk in. And so part of the reason I use that example is all of, I, here's what I did. Uh, here's what I do about Alex Jones. Well, clearly, I'm not like him. He had some major event in his life that drove him down this path, right, <laughs> that made somebody lie like that. No, 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 no. Now, Alex Jones is just like all of us. And over time, right, the pinhole leak of, of lies and deception in his life made a claim on him, and he shared that with a community of people. Truth claims make a claim on us. They set a path before us. So that's the first thing, right? Truth is spiritual. The scriptures talk about that, that it claims on us. The second thing you need to know then that follows from that is uh, if truth is spiritual, um, then, then we also need to know that we're, we're vulnerable to it. Uh, it's one thing to say that you believe in spiritual things. It's another thing to say that you're not in control of spiritual things. You're vulnerable to it. Uh, Charles Taylor, who's a, he's a Canadian Christian philosopher, he wrote this massive book called The Secular Age. I don't recommend you reading it. I didn't read it. I read a book about somebody who helped somebody, people understand the book. That's, that's the path I chose. Uh, if you're interested in that book, talk to me about it. Uh, he talks about how um, our, our modern age, there's, there's two types of views, and you'll see the map onto the truth and the, the spiritual view. Uh, 
modern people, we, we sort of believe ourselves to be buffered selves. What do we mean by that? What does he mean by that? Um, we're sort of insulated from the spiritual world. Uh, what we know in our mind uh, means that we're not vulnerable. I, I, what I know up here protects me from outside spiritual world, right? I'm not vulnerable. I'm buffered in. He says that the world, the, the person of the scriptures, the person that the scriptures describe is, is the opposite of that. We are actually porous people. We're vulnerable. Uh, he says the self is actually open and vulnerable to the spiritual world. Uh, I, I know something about this, this idea of being porous and vulnerable in the world. Um, it's, it's living on my left foot. Uh, I discovered how porous and vulnerable I am as I grow older. Uh, I, I, and I've, I think I mentioned this the last time I preached, you know, playing basketball with my son, you sort of get an age where you're not thinking about your body, right? You're just like, I'm just going to do stuff and nothing's going to hurt me. And then you realize, oh, I'm, I'm super vulnerable and I'm porous. Um, and, and when I, my foot hits the blacktop in a, in a very severe way, things break. Uh, I had a realization about how vulnerable my physical body is. But, um, but, but I'll tell you, I don't think about myself spiritually in that way. I don't think that I'm, I'm, I'm subject to and I'm vulnerable to spiritual forces in the world. And, and that's the first point, right? That's the first point. Why do we need a test? John gives us a test because he knows we're poorest people. And we're vulnerable to truth claims that can lead us astray. And so I, I just hope, um, just for a moment, you should be unsettled by that. You, you should allow that fact to, to sort of unsettle you. Because the odds are excellent that if you're sitting here today, you have a way overinflated view of how much control you have over what you believe and the impact of spiritual forces on your life. You, you, like myself, you really think that you can control the spiritual forces that affect you or don't. Well, I got my, my, my timeline. I, I, I control who I follow and who I don't, right? And the spiritual world is like, are you kidding me? You, you are vulnerable by yourself to truth claims that will make a claim on you and to take you down into further bondage. So, um, so what's the solution then to that? Is this now where I say, so this is why we should all go out into hermitages in the world and just separate ourselves um, so that we don't ever get hurt? But nothing wrong with going on a hermitage for a little while, by the way. But as a, as a lifestyle to just leave everything, is that the solution? Um, are we, is this now where we begin the Inquisition at Bridge, where now we test everybody to make sure there are nothing, there's nothing divisive or problematic here? No, no, John gives us a test. John helps us um, in, this, in, this, in our poorest selves. Uh, and that's the second point. So we're not left alone to sort of nervously guard the door of our souls. Uh, we're, we're told to test the spirits when a teacher or prophet comes into our midst, midst. He says, here's how you test the spirit. Here's how you test. You Here's how you recognize the Spirit of God. Uh, verse 2, this is how you recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. So here's the test. Is there a clear confession, Jesus is the Savior come in the flesh from God? Is there a clear confession? So it might surprise you that the, at the heart of testing for the spirit is doctrine, <laughs> right? Uh, somehow maybe you've landed on that place like I have. 
that there's, a, there's a world that sort of thinks about the spirit as sort of where things get a little crazy and out of control, right? Where we're, we're sort of like caught up in the spirit um, and doctrine is sort of that dry old thing that sits on the shelf um, that we take off from time to time. But here John's telling us, no, no, no. The spirit is recognized through doctrine, by doctrine, by the truth that we proclaim. Uh, doctrine and the spirit don't happen to be disgruntled neighbors. They speak to one another. Uh, so here, here's, here's how this works. So one of the things that I've experienced in, in being uh, sort of laid up with the foot is that I've spent a lot of time sitting outside with my foot up uh, and uh, just working at a table outside. And that's allowed me the privilege of kind of observing. Uh, we have sort of a little, if you've been to our house, there's sort of a, it's a little mini bird sanctuary going on back there. Um, and Karen very nicely set up some bird feeders. So I've got all kinds of company back there. And um, one of the things that's been fun is there's an app that, that actually you can, you can point at an animal or a plant and it will, in a few seconds, identify exactly what that bird or, or plant is. It's pretty incredible. Uh, and so I've been loving this because I can't remember, like I have the little bird book and I can't remember, I'm like, what, what color is the feather supposed to be? So this, this helps me right away identify uh, what the bird is. And I was really impressed with it uh, until I turned it on my Shih Tzu, on my dog, and the app misidentified Gouda as a guinea pig. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, my esteem for the app like, just went right out the door. Um, he is a little bit funny looking, but it, it seemed a little harsh. You know? And it's funny because you get that anticipation, there's little dots that go, and it's like identifying species and subspecies, and then it arrives at guinea pig. You know? um, but, but what I realized is, is that, wow, it's a really difficult thing to recognize something, a particular uh, species, right? Given the, I mean, the app is powerful and amazing in that noticing the color and the context and the shading and, and the different movements and the shape, like all of those factors to identify um, one bird from another, one, one person from another, right? One animal from another. Shih Tzu, guinea pig, this should be a little easier, I think, but, but I think you get what I'm saying. Um, and, and so that's, that's where doctrine, what we believe, our dogma, it's actually, it's not a bad word. Um, and, and, and there are, as Mark said um, last week, there is, there is sort of church hurt from, from dogma coming down as like a hammer on your head. But that shouldn't scare us away from, um, from, from claiming what we know to be true and holding fast to it. And, and so, so the doctrine, here, here's a way to think about it. It's sort of like the color palette that, that God uses to, to, to give us a portrait of himself. It's the palette, it's the colors that we have to recognize the spirit of God. These distinctive features of the spirit come out in the doctrine. Uh, and so what's distinctive, as we said, just to circle back, what's distinctive about the spirit? Uh, what's the distinctive spirit um, features? It's, it's a confession, it's naming this. Jesus is the savior come in the flesh from God. Incarnation, incarnation. The spirit is recognizable by a confession of his incarnation. That sent from the father and the spirit, Jesus took on flesh, became fully, fully man, fully God, incarnated, identified with us all the way down to the depths of our humanity, gave his life to save the world from sin and death. That's, that's, those are the color strokes of the portrait of the spirit. That confession. Uh, and and here, so here's, maybe to flush it out, here are some of the strokes that, that should 
throw you off, that, that should make you realize, oh, this isn't the spirit, right? Anything that suggests that Jesus is God's presence on earth, but he actually never took on flesh. Anything that suggests that Jesus is sort of a floating, spiritual, non-human presence. Uh, anything that suggests that Jesus was, um, was actually not born um, of God, but that he received divinity sometime later in his life, maybe at his baptism. Uh, anything that suggests or hints at that God, Jesus may have been a great man who lived and demonstrated lots of spiritual power and authority, but there's another savior who's going to come. Right? These are deceptions, these are lines and threads that, by which we should say, oh, that's not the spirit. Right? Those are deceiving lines and threads and colors. The spirit is recognized by a clear confession of the historical reality that Jesus humbled himself and took on human flesh. And so, so what you should hear, let me just tease it out a little bit more. What you should hear from your teacher in preaching and prophesying, are, are, they should be characterized by these sorts of things. By, by honoring Jesus' name above all names. If Jesus is truly the incarnate son of God, um, then, then there's no other name worthy of praise. So any teaching or preaching or prophecy that exalts or hints at or puts a political leader or another religious leader or another nation above the name of Christ does not honor Jesus. It's not of the spirit, right? That's what John's telling us. The name of Jesus alone is exalted. He alone is worthy of our, of our obedience. He alone is the one who we praise. So uh, here's another thing that should characterize the teaching and preaching of the spirit that helps us recognize him. Uh, does what you hear depict Jesus as headlong in pursuit of loving union and redemption with a desperate and broken world? Is that the picture you have of Jesus? Is that the spirit with which you come away with? Or is God depicted as distant and disinterested? Is he slow to love and abounding in anger? rather than slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. If Jesus' incarnation is confessed, the teaching or prophecy of the Spirit should leave you breathless. It should leave you leveled at the relentless pursuit of God's love for all people. That's, that's how we recognize the Spirit. And that's, uh, I'll just, just to read that final line there at the at the the Michael Bird quote you have, um, just jumping down to the end. History is God's story of making the Son known and uniting creation to him through the Spirit. should give us that impression. So we have, we, we've got why the test. We're, we're porous. We've got what the test is. How do we protect our porous selves? Um, we look for these strokes, these colors, to recognize the Spirit. And finally, and importantly, uh, where? Where do we do this test? Uh, you see on your outline, it's in the community of God's people. It's in the church. This is where the test takes place. This is the context for the test. Uh, John is writing to house churches who are sort of grappling with this division that it's being stirred up in their midst. So he's giving the test not so that everyone can go back to their homes and sort of privately assess everyone else, um, but it's for the community of faith. It's for the church. And and so that's actually one way to look at verse 4. Verse 4 is sort of one of the most glorious verses in all of the New Testament. 
uh, if you've grown up in the church, you've been around it, it should be, I hope, familiar to you. Uh, verse 4, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, them being the false prophets, because the one, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is in you is greater than the evil one who is in the world. There's so much to say about that. That's one of those verses that just ex can sort of explode for a long time to think about. But one way to think about it in this context is this verse actually describes what the church is. Uh, I, I spoke earlier about being sort of knowing my physical vulnerability, right, with my foot. Um, the, the church is those gathered who recognize their spiritual vulnerability, who recognize their poorest wandering self, uh, you're here today probably because at some point you spiritually broke your ankle. Um, you spiritually were in traction. You, you, you believed a lie that took you down a road and messed you up. And you realized your spiritual vulnerability. You realize your spiritual wandering soul. And the church is those who have gathered together, who've experienced and know the one who is in us is greater than the one who's in the world. That is who God's people are. We know and testify to that. I am vulnerable, but the one who is in me is greater than the one who's in the world. It's greater than the one who took me down. And so that's the context for the test, right? Um, and, and you see in verse 5 and 6, uh, it tells us that the context for the test is the, the people who, who know the voice of their shepherd, right? Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. This is where we know and see and test for the Spirit. Uh, as, and, and as Mark mentioned last week, uh, it's this is an important point. You can't skip the lab of the church. You can't skip over to this. Uh, the test is not so that we can retreat back into our own minds. The test is actually not so that you can huddle around with the people that you agree the most with either. That's sort of the beauty of God's church um, the, and the diversity of it. The test is for the fellowship of the whole, the whole, the whole body. And so that means just uh, that means that uh, as a body, you should experience the course correction that comes from being with the body of God's people. Uh, you should experience from time to time where you're misidentifying things that you think are of the spirit, and the body helps bring course correction to you. If we're if we're truly sharing life together and speaking into each other's life. That should be not an unusual experience. And it's an unpleasant one. I'll just testify to that. Uh, as somebody over the last three, three years, I have multiple times been convicted and course corrected where political ideology had reign over my thinking. And I was convicted by brothers and sisters who thought differently than me and brought me into correction to say, no, actually what you think is true is not of the spirit. It's actually a political ideology that you're believing in, Josh. And it's a not a matter of the spirit. And you're making a matter of the spirit. Uh, you're, you're falsely identifying, right? We should be helping each other in that way. That should be a regular experience of the body of Christ. This comes about with community. We recognize the spirit. So just um, by way of application, can I just give you three things to close? Three things um, that we can do uh, as a result of this. Uh, the first should be obvious. The first is examine. Uh, the command is to test, the, to test the spirit. And notice that the command is given to not just me. 
Uh, the command is not just given to pastors. The command is not just given to elders or deacons um, or people who have gone to seminary. Um, the, this is one of the beauties of, uh, of, of the Reformation, right? The priesthood of believers. Y you all are given the command to test the spirit. If you're a Christian, part of your vocation as a Christian is to be a steward and to be a, somebody who relentlessly pursues recognizing the spirit by identifying truth, right? That is a calling on your life as a Christian. You have a calling to be a steward of the truth for the sake of your own soul and for the sake of this community and for your neighbors. So dedicate yourself to testing the teaching of the church uh, so that we can grow together in recognizing the spirit. Uh, and just sort of as an aside to this, uh, uh, this, this command to examine, did, did, did anybody notice uh, that so the, the test, it seems pretty short, Jesus incarnate. Now, from a secular point of view, that's extremely exclusive, right? And that should be. There's one name above all names. There's one way, truth and life, as we sang about. Uh, there are not multiple paths. Extremely exclusive from a worldly point of view. But, but from a church point of view, extremely inclusive, isn't it? Uh, that's the test. It's actually... the the. Recognizing the spirit is actually not based on your understanding of eschatology. Uh, it's not actually based on the spirit is not actually based on the kinds of songs that we sing or your conception of church government. <laughs> so I'm laughing because I was sort of, I was deeply convicted of this. It, it's probable that you're holding as a matter of the spirit something that is probably more a philosophy of ministry than a matter of the spirit. And as a result, it's probable that you're judging and separating yourselves from brothers and sisters who you should be sharing in the spirit with that you're not. The, the test for the church is radically inclusive when you think about the church in America today, isn't it? So, so think on that. Let, let that examination maybe open you up to how to properly and see maybe there's more of the spirit and how he speaks and works in God's church than you're realizing. So, so test, test the spirit. Um, and la to, um, uh, and, and, sorry, just, uh, just, just as a, a, one more thing I want to make sure I say about that. Um, that, that, well, that actually helps us be a people that aren't led it by fear. That we don't test the spirits. We, we're not looking, we're not always on a witch hunt. Right? It, it actually opens us up to be a little bit more um, free to, to, to recognize the spirit. So, so test the spirits, examine them. Two other uh, applications, uh, guard yourself. Uh, John's writing to an ancient world that probably had uh, maybe a couple avenues for teachers to come speak to them. Uh, he, I don't think John could have imagined a world like we have today. You have the opportunity all week to make people from around the world your teacher. You can set pretty much anybody who wants to make a YouTube video or, or have a podcast or whatever it is, you can set them before you as your teacher. Now, I'm not saying, hey, don't listen to anybody. The, the, the point is, who are you making your teacher? Who are you allowing to prophesy into your life? Not don't shut off every, every, everything that's outside the church, but be careful, guard yourself. Who are you receiving as your teacher and as your prophet in your own life? Are they recognizable 
Can you recognize the Spirit in what they're telling you? So guard yourself, brothers and sisters. Be careful about what you're taking in and accepting. Um, and, and lastly, uh, lastly, and the worship team can come forward, uh, as a way of application, pray. Here's, here's a simple prayer. Pray, Spirit, help me recognize you. Help me recognize you in the, in the teachings that I hear, in the fellowship of God's people. Help me to recognize you. Help me in this. So examine, brothers and sisters. Guard yourself and pray. Pray this prayer. Spirit, help me examine you. Uh, help me uh, find you and, and recognize you. Uh, so just by way, a word of conclusion, th- throughout 1 John, you might feel like it's kind of a tornado of activity. There's lots to do. There's lots to, you're to love, you're to confess, you're to believe, you're to examine, uh, you're, you're, you're to go, do, do, and it sort of can feel like a bit of a tornado. So I just want to sort of double down on what Mark said at the end uh, last week. In all of these things, press into Jesus. Press into Jesus. You should not feel, leave here feeling the weight of, I have to now go do a lot of things. Uh, no, no, press into Jesus. And he'll, he'll demonstrate his spirit to you. He'll make his spirit recognizable to you. Press into him and help you discern what is true from what is false. Uh, if, uh, particularly ap- as an application of the sermon, but just in general, if you have questions about anything I've, I've, uh, that, that has been in the sermon today, if, 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 if something seems off, um, if you're wondering, that, if you're trying to, with me, recognize the spirit, I would just invite you afterward to come talk to me. Um, I would be glad... I, I would be helped by sharing and recognizing the Spirit with you. Let's do that together. Amen? Amen. Let me, let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Help us, Lord, to be a community uh, that can recognize you uh, and, and that, that has a true confession. Lord, you came, you took on flesh, you gave your life for us. We give you glory and honor and praise.